Radio Chili Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. Anyway, Wednesday, Woden's Day, the middle of the week. That is the night, according to, uh, again, that thing we call a calendar. And uh, here we are just after 8 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Ocelli.com and in some other interesting places. But you're probably catching the podcast further on down the stream via your final side of choice, your applicable application. And we welcome you no matter who, when, where, or whatever it may be you're doing at the time. So uh, tonight is going to be a, a fascinating thing. The second hour, we're going to get another report from Down Under. Uh, this one will be a bit different, and uh, you might want to stick around to hear who that's from. Uh, he may be a more recognizable figure in his homeland, but uh, but who knows if his homeland is recognizable anymore due to the latest unreal reality. But uh, we'll get there. In the first hour, we're talking about something that, I got to admit, I am not well-schooled on. Um, and it is a curiosity to me because... Frankly, um, before I started to study the Kennedy assassination, which a lot of people know me for, and before I started to uh, study the more esoteric aspects of things, which I did independently for many years, uh, and and that <laughs> led me into, well, let's investigate everything, and I ended up in the Kennedy realm and all that, and, well, the rest is uh, the history of this show, isn't it? Um before I got there, though, it, it, it would fascinate me. The individuals that would kill, uh, not for greed necessarily, not for, you know, the, the, the serial killers. The Manson family certainly fascinated me uh, when I was a kid. And not because I, I saw these people as, you know, heroes or the cult figures that they would become to some people, but... Man's inhumanity to man, despite the fact that I grew up personally in a violent situation, I didn't feel as though this was the way the world should operate. I understood that sometimes when you were confronted, you had to do what you had to do. But the idea that there were thrill killers out there, that there were people that did horrible things uh, to others and, and would target particular types of individuals and hunt them. This disturbed me to no end, and also I found it fascinating because it, it, it was the kind of focus that I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around personally at all. William Ramsey is with me. William Ramsey investigates. Now, uh, he's made a recent appearance on the show where we talked about the Maxwell trial mainly, but frankly, he's a true crime guy who uh, who, who has studied a lot of different cases, but one of them that confuses me more than anything is the smiley face killers. And, I mean, first of all, it's off-putting because, you know, what, what do you think of with the smiley face, right? It's the innocuous little symbol that I grew up with. Uh, I, I think it was before my time, but still a relic of the, the previous generation, just the smiley face, have a nice day. Um, when I started to look at this material regarding this uh, – seemingly disconnected as far as the authorities are concerned, uh, groupings of murders, I said to myself, well, is this a real thing? Is this a pattern? What, what in the hell is going on, honestly? Because you would think that even in the It Bleeds, It Leads media, they would have picked this up 
And they would have said, look, there is a pattern of killings. There is something going on. Now, maybe it's because of the prey, and I've seen this before, having grown up in the Northeast, where, quite frankly, you know, when hookers get killed, it's not big news necessarily. When certain types of people disappear and their bodies turn up a long time after, it's not the biggest of news. And I was wondering if it was because it's a certain segment of society that seems to be part of this grouping of victims. And you always got to look at that as far as how much attention is paid, how many resources are put toward it. Um, Anyway, enough out of me. I want to get, I'm sorry, I got to go ABCs with you on this. William Ramsey, who is a a podcaster, an author, uh, I'm going to give you links to his work, uh, his written work, his uh, audio work. I play some of his shows on this network when I can, and uh, especially when he sends me really good ones. Sometimes I leave him in the rotation even longer. Uh, Roberta Glass about the uh, the Maxwell trial not too long ago. I left that one in the stream for a while, uh, and and he does a lot of good work about a lot of things. And so glad to have you along, William Ramsey. First of all, how you doing? But I, I really want you to drag me through this smiley face killer thing because. It's it's almost unfathomable that something like this is happening and has been happening. This is not like two, three situations. This is a lot going on. So bear with me while you get through the bare basics of this. And uh, But like I said, first, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Chuck. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm, and look, I got to shut up this time because I don't know a lot. I mean, really, most of what I know, I've seen a couple of people comment on this maybe. Um, but you seem to be the, the, the main guy who is trying to shed light on this. And to me, it's like, if if you're correct, um, there is, there is some sort of dark work going on here that nobody really wants to crack open. And that is, uh, well, first of all, unacceptable, but secondly, a, a little, a little disturbing that this kind of thing could be going on. And and I fear that there may be chains of killings that do occur that are just chalked up to, well, young people like to run away. I mean, I know that's an old trope, but young people like to run away and sometimes they do things that get themselves killed. And I don't know, how do you even begin to introduce this topic to somebody who's never heard of it? Well, I would just say that, You know, it is considered to be an urban myth that there is no pattern or there's no connection between this phenomenon of young men going out and being disappearing for a lot longer than they should be disappeared and being found in water. That's would be like the urban myth. And then I would lead them into how many people have researched it, how many cases there are and how long this phenomenon has been going on. It's just happening within the last month. There's been five cases. So, uh, it's like there's a kill, like uh, one of the main researchers that I follow, Jim Smith, said it's a kill cycle. So we're in a kill cycle probably for December, too. So you want to really be careful. But I think that really what you do, what you, the best way, the introduction is to go back to the original kind of investigators who looked into this. One was uh, Gilbertson, who was a criminologist, I think, in uh, Wisconsin. And then Gannon, who was a police detective in New York City, both came across this phenomenon of young men being found in water. And they synced up because the same thing was happening, not just in New York City, but also in Wisconsin and Minnesota, actually. So they kind of 
met up and they started studying this. They came out with a book called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings. They covered only 14 cases, but they did very detailed analyses of these cases and showed that these men did not accidentally drown, that they were placed in water or put in water, and there was GHB and there were suspicious circumstances. And the reason this phenomenon got the name the Smiley Face Killers is because of Gilbert and Gannon. And they noticed that associated with some of these crimes mm-hmm. is a spray-painted a spray smiley face. So it got the kind of uh, name, the Smiley Face Killers, but it's really the phenomenon is really young men disappearing out of bars and being found in water. And, well, and this and, is not a new thing. I mean, give people an idea of what the span of time appears to be because well, – this is going on a long time. The, the, right. So, I mean, I think that the, the really the original case was Patrick McNeil. He's known as Victim Zero, 1997. So it's been about, you know, 22 years, 25 years. But he's really the first one. He was a young man. He fits this profile. All of them are typically college-aged, healthy, um, athletic, which is also weird. But then they act strange, disappear, and are found in water. Patrick McNeil is a very important case known as Year Zero out of New York, New York. He was a Fordham University uh, student, was at a bar uh, at 1768 Second Avenue. At, like He started acting strange, started throwing up. And when he left that bar, somebody noticed that there was a vehicle double parked and following him on the way out. He was supposedly headed back north to Fordham. He was never seen alive again. And then there's, you know, all these cases are the same. There's a massive search. The family's concerned. There's there's actually a lot of, in all these cases, there's a lot of TV coverage news. So typically these disappearances are followed by local news coverage. So you can go back on the Internet and some of these names, and that news coverage will still be there, even for Patrick McNeil. But Patrick McNeil um, was missing for long period of time. He was found on April 7th. So he was found a much uh, longer distance, which is standard for these cases. Why wasn't he found in two or three days if he drowned in the river, right? Typically, these bodies would float depending upon all kinds of uh, factors, uh, how cold the water is, how cold the air is, etc. But typically, you would find somebody who drowned, not without much difficulty, typically around the uh, area where they were. He was found downriver, and in a water treatment facility. Um, so he and and this is a very important case to understand because initially it was called an accident, right? And he was uh, he was thought to have dried down accidentally, but about ten years after the event, his family got an autopsy report and it was analyzed by the famous forensic pathologist, Dr. Cyril Wecht. Right. And looked at this young man, McNeil, who originally supposedly accidental, but he found that he was bound, burned while still alive and had been bound in a chair like he had been bound in a chair and blowtorched. So the original police investigation was bungled, in my opinion. And so, you know, why was he missing for the 45 or 50 days that he was gone? And so that's really these these cases that fit into that M.O., Get, get categorized as a smiley face killing ph- uh, phenomenon or okay. just the phenomenon of young men disappearing and being found in water in a much later time than they should be. 
Okay, so here's the thing about this, right? I, I'm going to offer a little bit of context, and I want you to work with it. Understand, I'm not trying to be a naysayer here because quite- – I don't mind. You know, you can – I've had ton, millions of conversations with people. They've all had their concerns, queries. I, I can field anything. Don't worry. I will not be offended. No, I'm sure you can. That's what I was going to say. I'm not worried that you can't field it. It's just that I don't want people to think that I'm trying to be contrarian with you. Uh, the the okay. truth is, though – we got to put this in a little bit of context, right? Because in that area, New York, let's say, uh, I definitely was alive for plenty of pattern killers that got caught pretty quickly because there was a pattern that was easy to establish, right? And also, uh, young people dying in waterways, not extremely common, but does happen, right? Because of the ocean that's there. Uh, you got plenty of bodies of water. There's rivers and isolated areas, and things happen. If young people are drinking or whatever, partying somehow or other, okay. But I, I got to be frank with you. The, these patterns usually get caught quickly by the authorities. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Joel Ripken. I'm thinking of, uh, uh, what was his name, Gary Heidnick. I'm thinking of, of course, Son of Sam. I'm How many thinking- people did Rifkin kill before he was caught? You know, I think he only got up to about seven. Seven, I think that's where he got it. I mean, they knew that there was a pattern going, but then they they caught him. He got up to about seven or nine, something like that. It's a little confusing, but either way, we're talking about a single digit here. Okay, even Berkowitz, who was one of the you know bigger names, right? Uh, as far as a uh, a serial killer, again in air quotes, right? For that area, they caught up to him pretty quick. I mean, he was the uh, forty-four caliber killer for a little bit. And then the Son of Sam thing happened. Um, and there was even serial events where there were serial assaults. There was a dart man in New York. There was uh, more than one serial killer in New Jersey, honestly. Uh, we, we all know about the Iceman who had a high body count. But, you know, he was all over the place and he was a professional killer. That was business. Um, but either way, classify him as a serial killer. It took a little while for them to get up to the uh, pattern. On him, but that's because it was business. When these guys are out there doing this for a psychopathic reason, they always wind up leaving a calling card. They always wind up dumping bodies the same way. Rifkin wouldn't have made it through as many victims as he did if he wasn't killing prostitutes, honestly. Okay, and as I stated at the beginning, sometimes people are kind of, eh, you know, the authorities aren't as worried about them. You understand? And that happens. But here's where the problem is with the smiley face deal. This isn't exactly like that. And this is a long standing pattern. Uh, you know, you're talking about since 97. I mean, I, I know everybody thinks of uh, what the Zodiac killer or whatever. But look, you got to put that aside in, in the northeastern area of the country, in the quad of the country. I have a hard time believing that these guys get away with it for so long if they have a pattern. Now, that's not to say that there aren't plenty of unsolved murders in the Northeast, because there are. You know, don't believe what you see on the CSIs or law and orders, all right? They don't catch everybody. I know that. But when these guys are generally like a, a passion killer of sorts or a ritualistic killer of sorts, they're usually caught pretty quickly. Um, and dumping somebody in the water, Okay, there's a practical reason for that, if we think about it just sort of logically. Maybe they're trying to let evidence wash away. A lot of contact evidence will disappear if a body floats for a while. There have been plenty of people who have gone into uh, the Hudson River 
people who are not the victims of serial killers in the standard sense, but people who maybe did that as part of their business. We all know this. This is a long pattern. And you know what? You showed me some of this stuff uh, off air. <laughs> and, and, and I looked at it and said, well, the first problem is that, I mean, I know about the ineptitude of some medical examiners, but even with the limited knowledge I have, I'm looking at this stuff going, how did they miss this, that? It seems very strange that this is being ignored. And even with disappearances, again, you know, and people make complaints nowadays about maybe brown people don't matter when they disappear, right? And you have the black and missing uh, uh, foundation, and you have the idea that uh, at one certain point it was okay for uh, any of the LGBTQ alphabet to disappear because the authorities didn't care, and so on and so on and so on. Well, that kind of ties into this because there is a pre uh, over predominance of gay victims. So there you have it. That I wanted to get into that, but that's the funny thing is if you go from '97 to today, though, you would think okay, maybe this sort of pattern could have existed in '97 and in the early 2000s, but that's not necessarily the case. This thing seems to keep going on regardless of those sort of changes. So help me to understand this, how this could happen, because that's the strangest part of it, that there's well, no connection I, between any of these groups of, of young men at all, it seems like, according to the authorities, not you. Right. Or, they, what connects them is the MO. That's what connects them. So they none of these people have ever known each other, as far as I can tell. But what ha keeps happening, and there was another just after pa Patrick McNeil, McNeil, one year later, almost to the day, another young man, Lawrence Andrews, was abducted right around this time of year, uh, you know, December. And he was he, right out of, he was last seen at Grand Central Terminal and was found in the same water treatment facility as Patrick McNeil. So it seems like somebody is, is doing the same MO. And these water deaths aren't, you know, this is a specific subset, but the mob has been throwing people in water for a long time in different ways and types and stuff, you know, and all the places drive them out to the, to the sea or something like that. But well, that's when why you, the Hudson river, honestly. Right. So <laughs> when, like, yeah, oh. but when you start looking at all of these deaths and you see the same MO missing, uh, they were in a place in a bar or something like that. Mm -hmm. There was no evidence of that. They went out and committed suicide. So there's no uh, note, or they're just not found. They're they're missing and then found in water. Um, it's incredible and it's interesting that you bring up like, you know, colored people or whatever. Like, there's somebody using this technique or memo. I think killing Afri African American people in Chicago right now because there's mm -hmm. been two deaths: Jelani Day and Oribe Contain in the, in the last two or three months. And there was one that I studied too. His name was Ambrose Monier, who was a black professional. He was going to be a doctor who ended up in water. But this Jelani Day actually has gotten a lot more news and is in the news in Chicago. And I don't know if you know who, I think his name is Crump. He's kind of like a civil rights attorney. He's an African-American guy. But I think he was involved. He's involved in this Jelani Day case. So yeah, he's the guy that had pretty much every uh, interaction with the police uh, between an African-American that ended in a fatality or a shooting over the past couple of years, this guy shows up. That's for money so and he actually gets it but but moving on yeah. uh th this pattern it, it, this is the thing though is I, I am struggling to understand how it is that the 
No, none of these authorities that should be looking at this for a pattern are not seeing this, uh, that there is something going on here where you have victims who are of a similar profile, uh, but and, and ending up being dumped in a similar way. And like you said, the M.O. is it, it's almost like, again, in, in the real world, not in the TV world of crime. Right. Uh, it, it seems like this would be tailor made for somebody to figure out. And you and I might not even have all the details necessarily that the investigators should be able to gather. There might be other patterns here. And it just almost seems like there's no effort being made to put them together at all. Right. Well, let's say that you put your mind in the thought of a perp or, you know, the unsub or whatever they call it. If you want to commit a perfect crime, how do you trick the police? You don't make it look like a crime. You make it look like an accident. You leave a mysterious thing. Who wants to get caught? There are certain people out there, I mean, you commit murder. Some of them end up getting caught. But if you don't want to get caught, you can throw somebody in the water, and then the police think it's an accident, and then it's all done. There's no missing body, right? The guy was drunk and fell in the water. Done. The problem with that thing about all these cases is not all these guys are drunk, and some of them are clearly drugged. And I think Gannon and Gilbertson found that out in the original thing. There was an element of GHB in their bodies. I mean, one of the victims was literally frozen. So clearly the perpetrator was trying to trick people about how the body desiccated, so they kept it frozen. And you you and I talked offline about Dakota James, and actually the mother went into a meeting, I think, with, with the DA and somebody from the Secret Service. And somebody from the FBI was in that meeting with her, with Dakota James's mom. So that case got the attention. Now, what the Secret Service is doing with Dakota James's mom is a whole nother question. But, I mean, there's speculation. This is like Squid Game type level stuff. This is like, like I think Dakota James was selected. I think that he was, there was events that happened to him before he disappeared that looked like he was part of a targeting program. And a lot of these guys are on, um, these gay apps are on dating apps, and that may be another form of selection. Now, my first case that I studied was uh, Joey Labute out of Columbus, Ohio, and he was on a dating app before he disappeared. So there's like a, there was a killer on in um, Stephen Port, and they, he got caught for killing at least four people. But he was in London, and he was on he was known as the dating app killer because he bounced around on all these dating apps and find victims. So right. there just may be people out there who aren't caught yet. I think that this M.O. was distributed somehow through the dark web or through something. And people, some people in the, you know, the BSDM community learned of this. And then there, they, some people put it into action. That's what I think. Well, but see, now there, there is, okay. First of all, there, there's, there's the problem with 1997 if, if we're looking at that time period, right? Uh, because. <clears throat> It would be not dating apps, obviously, but there could have been and there were underground publications that were not necessarily known to the general public. But if you were into certain things, uh, you could find them. Right. Right. And so these things were printed in somebody's basement. It's not like they're registered with the Library of Congress at this point. Okay, you're not going to necessarily even be able to recreate those things. But there were people that were hooking up with each other sort of in the underground, so to speak, right? Right. And that's evolved now into the digital age. And the idea that there is a group of people maybe that are selected somehow to be in an inner circle that are sharing a modus operandi is the only thing that, I got to be honest with you, makes sense here. 
Because right. have, you, have you ever seen? Do you remember the movie Cruising with Al Pacino? Yeah, vaguely. I, I, I that I, was like a, he was trying to find a gay serial killer, so he went into the gay underground. It was a huge. It caused a huge furor within the LGBT community because uh, there was filming going on in this show. These guys are into leather and gimp masks and really crazy stuff, and so. That was like something like some underground stuff that happens. And I showed that in my first documentary, this Modern right. Killer documentary, is these guys, that's one of the reasons maybe why the police, probably mostly heterosexual, don't understand motive. So I think that that's why the men are the ones being abducted. And not all cases. There may be sport killings. There may be just other things going on. But uh, I think that, that some a lot of these cases do have that as a motive. A sexual motivation to them, yeah. Well, which I find strange anyway, because I can think of off the top of my head, look, Jeffrey Dahmer was certainly like a gay serial killer. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be politically correct or incorrect here. I'm just basic observations here, okay? Richard Speck had a weird thing going on. Uh, Henry Lee Lucas, who confessed to way more murders than he did, uh, was, was clearly at the very least kind of bisexual. Uh, you know, what, what, what do you call it? The killer clown there, uh, Gacy. Gacy. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't really want to describe himself as gay, but, uh, seemed like that's what he was doing. It's, His last, last well, four victims were all thrown in a river, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm just saying, and, and that's why I saved him for last in that little list. But the fact is that there, there's a lot of weird sexual elements to these serial killings a lot of times. And indeed, it would not be strange for the police to discover sometimes there is, you know, some level of prostitution and it's same sex prostitution. Uh, you know, Rifkin was killing female victims uh, and, and Heidnik, like I brought up, it was females. But there, there it's not like it's uncommon among serial killers that that would be a, a, a hunting ground one way or another because of their problem with their own identity or Whatever explanation you want to come up with, um, you know, and I'm not trying to say everybody who's gay is a serial killer or anything. I'm just saying. Of course not. Of course not. Just like it, anybody who's heterosexual is a serial killer either. Right? No, not at all. I mean, look, you know, uh, 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 Ted Bundy was clearly targeting just women. Uh, well, in some cases, girls. But either way, it was females. Uh, I'm not saying any of it's healthy or I would even describe him as a heterosexual I'm just saying that there there is some element of this where quite often there should be some sort of kind of hidden underground element and the, the, the authorities seem to get at it. So what is the problem here? It's a good question. I mean, how much of these the authorities know about this or studying it? I don't think they are. There haven't been any publics. The FBI looked at all the cases, I think, back in just the early cases and said that they didn't see anything there. There's been a couple analysis. I, I looked in on my second documentary on the smiley face killers. I addressed this document made by the center for homicide studies, which I just took apart. It's obviously just poor analysis and they didn't take it really do a lot of inquiry into the phenomenon. So they did a really poor job in trying to figure this out because there's, a, there's like 200 to 300 cases like this. So, right. It's really an issue of why the government isn't involved, and it's an open question. I mean, like I said, like they were—I know they were involved in the Dakota James case, but I don't know what else is going on. I don't know. 
Well, see, here you go again, right? The Secret Service, that's a weird organization. You tell me the FBI is looking into it. I would say, well, look, as soon as you cross state lines, the FBI should be into the case, right? right. Um, but when you're talking about the Secret Service, I mean, outside of presidential protection, which everybody knows about, uh, and, and some national security issues, a little more limited than people think it is usually, um, what, what are they involved with? Uh, counterfeiting. Counterfeiting, yeah. You know, like it doesn't seem to fit that they would have an interest in this unless, uh, you know, somebody was a Secret Service agent or they were a family member of somebody who was uh, in a sensitive position, maybe. But, I mean, no explanation as to uh, what the Secret Service needed to be present for. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I mean, there may be something like like I said, the squid game, like uh Joy LeBute's death disappearance took place during the Arnold Classic, which is like, I think, the number one bodybuilding uh, convention in the world, right, in Columbus, Ohio. So somebody may have flown into town, did something really bad, and left. I don't know. So that may be the case. I've heard of stories of, you know, selection processes of, of rich people flying in and, like, uh, really bad things happening. So it may be something like that. I don't know. I really don't. But I do think that there is – some element of travel involved in some of these cases where people come into a town, commit a crime, and leave. You know? Well, that's the other thing is that I don't see a well-defined hunting ground. So you're not dealing with somebody who is, you know, just in their neighborhood or, you know, doing the Golden State uh, killer shuffle, right, where he, he's got particular areas for particular reasons at a certain time. It's not the uh, the, the BTK guy. Right. Who, you know, was very specific or, you know, Bundy had opportunity and he, when he was in certain parts of the country, that's what he did. And but but there's always a pattern there where it's like you can almost nail down where the perpetrators coming from. The weird thing here is that you don't have that pattern. Right. At, at least. I mean, maybe you discovered it and I just haven't seen it yet. But to me, it's like there there is something oddly dis. Uh, disorienting about that. Like you can't nail down, look, this guy is familiar with just this area. Uh, and, and people will do these kind of things in a place where they're comfortable to do them because they have to be secluded. They have to know there's not going to be foot traffic, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Like Bundy ended up with that uh, shed out in the woods. Right. And uh, some of these other guys create a dungeon or come up with a spot, you know, where they like to dump for some particular reason. Um, and although there's been a pattern in dumping, it's not consistent enough to suggest that it's one guy who's familiar with one particular area, right? Right. I, I, I don't think this phenomenon is because of one perp. It's multiple perps, multiple groups. That's what I think sells. People have talked about it as being cell based, like some kind of terrorist organization. So what is what's the motive? What's the interest? That's it. Are you is there a sexual component? Are you killing these people for occult motives? Are you killing them for occult and sexual motives? It's an open question. Well, there seems to be a torture base here in, in the behavior of, of, of the person who's doing this. But again, I don't see the consistent like, OK, I can point to this exactly as a particular set of ritualistic behaviors. Exactly. Uh, one could say that, you know, the body of water thing is a particular ritualistic behavior. But right. as I said, it, it's one of those things that may be common because it's going to wash away some of the evidence, too. 
Um, right. So it, it, it is very strange. And if this is indeed, like you're saying, a cellular kind of organism that's doing this, I mean, how, how does that, again, still escape the authorities who I promise you have not released all of the information that they could have gathered, um, you know, one way or another, even if they were the most inept, there's enough agencies here that somebody would have done a solid job and gotten enough of the forensics together, and there's enough victims here that there should be a, a pattern starting to form. I mean, no offense to you, but if you're forming that pattern, then these, you know, uh, allegedly well-trained profilers should be doing that too, shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think they absolutely should. I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't know. There there may be some, like, heavy-duty occult stuff having to do with water and the underworld, you know, fighting against the, the current structure of the Godhead. So, and then that kind of ties into some of the ONA mythos. But there's other ones, like Scott Bake Radel, who was a victim out of St. Cloud, 2006. His dad flat out said, and I include this in my first documentary, says, I believe predators are preying on students who are leaving the downtown bars in St. Cloud pretty intoxicated. So I think he just keyed in that there's predators. Now, what are the predators? Why are they predators? That's another question. So, yeah, I don't know why the police aren't involved. I, I, for me, looking at, I think I've uh, compiled enough cases and enough similarities, you know, that you would think that there would be a, some kind of all points bulletin or warning to be careful. That, well, that, what do you think is the most significant corollary between these cases? Well, the most significant is that they should have been found within two or three or four days. Why are they missing for so long? That's really the question. So where are they? If they died by misadventure, they would fall, their bodies would be found. If they found out, fell off a bridge, if they drowned, why are they disappeared? Dakota James is missing for 40 days. Joey LeBue was missing for 18 days. These guys are missing for a long time. Hmm. Why? Well, they should be found. They should yeah, be. You mentioned the one case where the guy appeared to have possibly been frozen, but yeah. if they're not being frozen and if they're not killed quickly, because that's another thing is uh, one of the bodies that was discovered that uh, I, I saw a picture of, they they basically found him. How long after, you know which one I'm talking about here, where I said, what is going on here? That skin does not appear to have been disturbed at all right. uh, from the photo. You, you and I were talking off there. Dakota James. It was Dakota James. James. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to reveal that case no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that was also... Uh, Cyril Wecht did the other autopsy again and found something different than what the original forensic pathologist found. Yeah, and no offense to Cyril, but I, I don't know how a blind man couldn't have seen uh, the thing that they skipped there. Uh, it was really ridiculous. Uh, a, a ligature, which was clearly uh, uh, something that was uh, manually applied to this body. I mean, there there is no way that that occurred while the, this person was afloat, first of all. Second of all, the amount of time that they were missing – Here's the thing. If they were killed right away and dumped, that body wouldn't have looked that way. So you got two problems here. Either they're freezing them all and letting them thaw, okay, which would be strange, but, again, not unheard of. Right. That's what the Iceman did. That's how he got his nickname. But, but that's what I was going to say is Kuklinski did exactly that. That's why they call him the Iceman. Right. Uh, the guy, can, the, the oh. guy's name who was frozen, his name was Nathan Kapfer. 1998 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Right. Okay. And and that that's the smiley face victim. Who, Correct. Who that's one of the from. original 14 covered by Gilbertson and Gannon. 
Right. Okay. But here's the thing. The other option is they're being held somewhere for a time period. And that should be something that they could establish. And also forensically, I mean, maybe in 97 they had a little difficulty, but I guarantee you today they should be able to establish a, a reasonable timeline for when these people died. And it seems to me as though, again, I don't know how to put this lightly, but like the people that are supposed to be doing this job are just not doing it. Uh, they're, they're not <laughs> – they're not coming up with the details that I would expect. Uh, as right, far but as- if they're tricked, if they're tricked and they don't, they think it's an accident, then they just write it up as an accidental death and move on. Guy was drunk, fell in the water. Next, you know, move on. Take it off the books. We got this. And there's been cases where they have the police have changed their earlier conclusion. One is Christopher Jenkins, where they said it was accidental drowning, and then after the family got the autopsy and found he had a clump of hair in his hand from somebody who wasn't him. They went, Oh, we were wrong. New, they got a new chief of police. And he said it was misadventure. If not murder, I can't remember what their designation, but it was an accidental death. So the really another, it's very interesting because it's the families who are doing the legwork, whether it's McNeil, Christopher Jenkins, um, Dakota James, the families are the one who want to go know the truth more than the government. And it's just indolence and laziness and inefficiency, ineffectiveness of these things. I mean, the, the people who are running some of the stuff in our government are trash. They're corrupt. They're, they're an embarrassment. And I think it's really sad that a lot of this stuff, the, the, the parents are the ones having to do the investigation. They have to get PIs and get their own. Can you imagine your kid dies and you have to get your own forensic pathologist because the one for the state could be wrong and then finding out that he was wrong? Well, unbelievable. Listen, unless the state was involved in some way, like in the case where you have a cop that kills somebody, I understand the family should probably go get an objective pathologist, right? But in these cases where you don't have a known perpetrator, okay, where we got to argue over the particulars, no, I don't get it. I don't understand why this isn't being done, first of all. And secondly, um, here's the weird rub on that motive, too. I would think somebody would want to make a career, uh, you know, milestone on this. Why isn't that? It seems like nobody wants to touch it. There is something toxic about this situation. And, uh, again, I'm not trying to challenge your assertions. I don't, my, just, my, my research is all factual. You can double check everything. I don't mind. I, I didn't make anything up. It's all, all this stuff. I, you can go watch my documentary. It's three and a half hours. It covers all of these, you know, statements of these people, what they did. And a lot of it was actually based upon local news coverage. So I, I didn't yeah. make anything up. No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm not, not saying, saying I did. I'm not saying it's did. just, just that me. it's, but it's wild to me that it seems like somebody might not try and come along. I mean, if they were indeed to come up with, theoretically what you were saying, which would actually fit as a hypothesis into this situation, that there is clearly uh, at least a handful of perpetrators who have uh, an agreement among them, then this would make sense with the pattern, right? Um, and, and and I'm not sure, you know, you know about the copycat sort of phenomena that sure. happened. I get that. But there, there's something weird about this where I don't think it's that. It doesn't appear to be that. Somebody copying it. it it's it's this very strange kind of basic agreement about what to do and then uh, improvise the rest, um, which is also odd 
But uh, it, it's like, how do you how do you make this argument, though? Uh, you know, to, not, not obviously not to the families and, and, and law enforcement is doing what they're doing with it. But I mean, how do you make this argument to people where uh, and, and I have watched uh, uh, some of these videos you did. And I, I'm telling you, <laughs> you're I didn't I didn't want to think that this was true. Right. I, I there are some things out there that, quite frankly, I think are paranoid fantasies that people create. I don't know why they create them, but the stuff that you're coming up with on this case, uh, it, the, the thing that makes sense to me is all the pieces that exist. The missing pieces don't. And your hypothesis is the only reasonable answer in my mind. For what's happening here. Now, I don't know if there's an element of, you know, it doesn't matter because the victims are are gay, but they're also not all gay. Uh, it, it's right, just all, all right. it's all these young guys, though, that uh, it's just young guys. I mean, that's really the consistency here. It's young men who are not, you know, it, they're not the old the old uh, trope. Right. The uh, the troubled kid that runs away and gets himself in over his head and maybe gets killed through misadventure. They don't seem to be that. Yeah, they might have gotten drunk at a bar and they might have wandered off with somebody they shouldn't have. Uh, but that's where the story seems to end until they're floating somewhere. Um, this is not an uncommon thing. It's not like we're talking about troubled youth in in critically bad situations. I mean, it, it, it's it's just so bizarre to me. Um, I even think back to the Atlanta child murders, and I know they convicted somebody there, but that doesn't all lined up. It line no, up. it doesn't. That doesn't line up at all. I actually just published uh, today on my podcast. It's strange you bring that up because I just published my interview with George of Cabdef, who analyzed the Atlanta child murders, all thrown in water, by the way, right? That's um, why I'm bringing them up, yeah. And also he found that there was other people involved. He, This guy was not a lone um, serial killer. The guy that they found, there was there was all kinds of bad things going on. And after I think after he got arrested, there were two more deaths. So it couldn't yeah. have just been him. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, I'm not even entirely convinced that this guy was tied to any of them. Actually, when you start to look at some of the holes in the evidence they presented, uh, but but look, maybe he was. But either way, there's something wrong with that story too. And again, it's young young males getting tossed in water, uh, which is why I thought of it. Um, but, but, but here we are. How, how do you, I mean, I, I've, I've talked a lot now. So, uh, you know, 15 minutes I got left here with you about, um, you know, give, give us an idea for exactly how, how this, uh, conversation between you and me can sort of make a little more sense because it almost sounds like I'm challenging you saying, why isn't the pattern being recognized? Right. Um, well, I think it is. I mean, there's probably 10 people on Facebook that I talked to who are following all these cases. That they're, they've got spreadsheets, they've got their own personal stuff, they may not be sharing it, but they're following and watching these cases really intensely. So I do think that whether the government is, is, doesn't want to deal with it, it's probably just like anything else. What the, it's moved by the population. And if you have, and I think that these, some of these guys are clearly selected because, um, they're, they may not have, the parents may not have the proper resources financially or otherwise to really complain it's almost like the murders in juarez do you ever hear about the woman femicides that took place in juarez mexico yeah but well there, so, there's been uh, uh clutches let's call them of murders around the country where frankly again yeah overwhelmed police forces and 
people with no resources in order to uh, make any noise, they, they become preyed upon. Uh, but usually in, in groupings, right? Where it's like, uh, women from a, a particular reservation or yeah, it's young true. men from a particular town or, and in this case, not so. This is the weird thing. Like I said, there's not a hunting ground. Uh, well, there is hunting grounds. There are really hot spots. New York, Boston, yeah, but um, there's across a, Wisconsin. But there's not a hunting ground. Right. You see, that's the problem. That's there, well, that's the whole thing is this is a different type of crime. This is a modern crime in a modern age that doesn't comport with other crimes that have happened before the new millennium. And that's why that's why it's hard for people to put their the, – they should have not have that much difficulty considering – they talk with other people from all around the globe. I'm talking with you. You're on the East Coast. Right. Well, you know, people of those same kind of ilk. Uh, you know, there's all kinds. There was a guy, like I forgot, he was in the Philippines doing the most monstrous pedophilic stuff, but he had people watching him from Australia and giving him money. So these kind of, and that's why I bring up this whole squid game. I don't know if you've watched that, but it's like rich people who are bored and they want their thrills. They want to set up this game where people have to, Jump around for money. So this may be just something like on another on some on a scale like that. People fly in, somebody gets selected. Some of these rich guys, they get real bored. They do stuff that the average person who has a nine to five job and has to make a living uh, would never do. So this could be something like that. Somebody flies into the country. There's a guy. There's a hunter. Um, you know, it's, I mean, there's white trafficking. There's, these things used to happen a lot more, but uh, right, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, and that's the other thing is that there's also like a, a, a deviant tourism yes. that occurs. Like, you know, everybody knows. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who is normal that goes to Thailand for vacation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there, there, there are places you go where, yeah, maybe you can uh, do things that are not, uh, you know, uh, legal anywhere else on the planet, right? Um, and you can get away with it because you pay for the privilege. And – in the case of uh, doing something like this, it, it's possible it could be individuals who want to do it themselves and just come in and out of an area so that, well, there's no opportunity to catch a perpetrator who isn't there anymore. Um, go watch go watch um, Pulp Fiction again where they have this kind of torture room where the guy catches somebody. He gets on the phone. He uses a code word. Hey, Zed, I got a couple flies. Zed drives over, right? Right. So something like that could easily, you know, these guys are into being, they have dungeons, they got rooms, um, and a victim presents itself. They drug them with GHB, they do do them over, and then they got to figure out what to do with the body. I'll go, let's go out early Monday in the morning with no sunlight and dump the body, and somebody will find it later in the day, and they'll think it's an accident. Okay, John, let's go do it. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I understand. I mean, obviously, we're we're coming up with hypotheses here because there, there's still this missing element of exactly what's going on. But and, but if you look at all these cases that I put together in my film, you'll see a lot of these guys have some type of uh, BDSM. A lot of them do, and that's why they, they're probably young men is because they're all athletic, relatively attractive guys. The shame. Uh, look at the one called Arvind Sharma in Washington D.C. He was in a bar that sided with another gay with a BDSM bar. Disappears. Is found upriver, so not downriver from where it was last seen. Somehow he gets found upriver, and his brother says, "I think that Nas Arvind Sharma just got in and saw something he wasn't supposed to see, and somebody did him in." You know, so 
Well, that's the last element here is, again, there is this commonality, and it still may be partially undiscovered regarding people's, uh, you know, underground behaviors, right? And, look, I don't hold against anybody what it is they choose to do uh, among consenting adults. Enjoy. You know what I'm saying? But when when you're operating uh, in a secretive way with others, I mean, that's why I'm almost surprised there aren't more of these uh, dating app and hookup app uh, murderers. Honestly, because it seems to me like the perfect way to anonymously encounter individuals who can be sucked into a very private, secluded situation. And uh, why wouldn't you prey upon them if that's what you're after? You know, uh, like it's 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 such a hard thing to wrap your mind around. But look, before we run out of time, uh, I'd like you to tell people where they can go to see the, the videos that we're talking about. First of all, and uh, and get more information on this, because, again, I, I got to tell you, I'm not highly educated on it, but I think it's something that if uh, we explore it, uh, people are going to more see it as, yeah, there is a pattern here. William Ramsey's not just trying to uh, uh, connect dots that don't belong together. I think if they look at your work, they're going to see it because I'm starting to see it. And I'm just I've just been introduced to details. I mean, I've seen it in general before. Uh, and, and frankly, just, uh, you know, perfect honesty here. I wasn't sure what to make of it. And uh, but but as I'm looking at this stuff, I'm like, why isn't somebody trying to, you know, disprove a pattern here? Even it seems like the work is not getting done. And I always ask the question why when that happens. But uh, but but who cares about my questions? I want other people to look at it and maybe they'll see something that uh, that I don't and tell me I'm crazy. Maybe they'll tell you you're crazy. I've been told I'm crazy too, but I, if you go back, what I would suggest too is people go look at the film and go look at all of the um, reviews that I've gotten for the film, mm-hmm. you know, the SFK reviews, because people are like, great documentary, this is mind-blowing. And, you know, I, I had really good reviews for my first SFK documentary. So you can see that on Vimeo. You can actually just go to Vimeo and type in William Ramsey or Vimeo.com forward slash William Ramsey. You can see all five of the trailers from my documentary and then my two documentaries on the Smiley Face Killers as well. Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and killing college-age men in the U.S., and then SFK2, the global slaughter continues. So those are my one and two second documentaries on the subject. Well, and this dovetails in, into the uh, the concept of the death cult, which, again, is a possibility where it may not necessarily be murder tourism, so to speak, but uh, maybe there is a ritualistic aspect here. Again, uh, submerging someone in water could be seen as a ritual in and of itself. You know, the rebirth, the concept of uh, a baptism. I know it sounds offensive to the average Christian, but truth is that perverting stuff like that is also something that uh, is done in a ritualistic sense. Um, so there are many things to consider here and yeah, your work is, uh, it's really disturbing, honestly. Um, it's very disturbing, but I think it's really happening. I'm not trying to like sell a fake story about gray aliens or blue chickens from another universe. These are phenomenon that are taking place about typically a vulnerable population, right? So somebody's out drinking by themselves and typically women are super paranoid, but the men don't think that there's harm they don't they may not be as self-aware as a woman in those environments too 
Right, right. And I've actually just gotten a couple of messages about how, how uh, great the documentaries are. But, I, yeah, go to Vimeo and uh, slash William Ramsey. Check out the trailers. Check out the uh, videos for sure. But uh, what what is the thought that you'd like to leave a listener with? If maybe they're a little skeptical, which I started out way more skeptical on this, to be honest with you, than uh, – than I am right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think you can look through all of my videos. I mean, I've done five hours of documentaries on it. I've done three interviews with Jim Smith, which you can see on my podcast, William Ramsey Investigates. Just go to iTunes, William Ramsey Investigates, and type in Jim Smith. And then I've done three interviews with Igor Sarsky, and those are kind of about the ONA. So we talk about these guys going out at night, being very aware of where the the cameras are knowing where to go to another town to commit a crime and go home. Um, so th- these people are thinking in ways that are not, they're criminally motivated, but they're not thinking in a, like the average person would. So those ideas now have been dispersed all through the, out the internet, through underground chat rooms, dark web. Um, so those t- six interviews I've done, I think would be very important. And then check out my two documentaries. I mean, I would just suggest to, if you think, if you can watch my documentary, and aren't convinced something's coming is, is, isn't happening. I'll give you your money back. You can just send me an email. I'll give you your five bucks back. Well, I'm not going to ask for it back. Uh, and I'll tell you because what you've convinced me of is that something that on the surface didn't seem, you know, it's like kind of like, well, is this, is he reaching for something here? But honestly, you're, you're, you're not. You're, you're pointing to known disappearances. You're pointing to, Patterns that are there, they are still partially incomplete, to be honest with you. But I think that is because uh, we haven't had unfettered access to the evidence. Uh, That's true. You know, the government it, probably has much more evidence than the public has, for sure. Well, always. the And, and you know, we, we're supposed to be in a society where that's true, right? Where they're supposed to be the ones who have that information so that uh, there can't be any false positives, right? You know. The, the, the trope that you see, again, on true crime TV, right, all the time, only the killer would know this. Well, the, obviously, th- these are the kind of things that you hold back because you can discover who that is by, by understanding the points like this. But this is a very strange thing, and I'm telling you, the only thing that does fit is that we're not dealing with, you know, a, a partnership of two killers or, you know, one guy for sure. Uh, and, and I do think it's a guy, by the way. Um, because of who they're taking down. They're not taking down uh, run-down individuals necessarily, even though they've been drugged or whatever. They're not taking down people that shouldn't uh, be able to put up a, a fight. Um, so I'm thinking it, it, it's a fairly strong group of individuals, and, and I'm just not sure how they're working together, and maybe it's because we, we just haven't discovered this pattern. And here's the worst part about it is uh, – I think the possibility that we're we're not looking at one particular set of uh, whatever, this could be multiple sets, and there could be a whole lot of crimes that have been, uh, again, sort of let go as, well, this is an accident. Well, this guy drowned because he was drunk. Well, uh, so on and so forth. There may be a bunch of things where it wasn't suspicious to the loved ones, the survivors necessarily, and maybe they never bothered to even look. Right. And there could be more victims. I think a lot of the families of all of the groups or the individuals I studied for my first documentary, there's 88 cases. Almost all the families believe that something bad happened to these people. Almost nobody said it was an accident. 
They just are mystified and they're curious. I did an interview with an ex-FBI agent, John D'Souza. I don't know if you know who he is, but he has his opinion on the SFK, which I agree. I think there's a lot of lassitude involved in the in for law enforcement agencies and that uh, some of these people may be involved in it. So they're, they don't want this to be investigated. So, and some people have sent me stuff out of Pittsburgh, which is jaw dropping about like, oh, maybe some people know more than they're saying. Yeah, Pittsburgh's a weird area too. And, uh, other people are, uh, giving you some praise in the chat room right now just for your interviews, which is a whole other thing. Uh, you know, outside of this particular investigation, which you focused on and, uh, you're putting together the puzzle pieces, but you also do a hell of a podcast. Uh, you've, you've written multiple books. Uh, and I'm going to give you guys the links to everything I can think of with the show notes, I promise you, because uh, I do want you to check out William Ramsey Investigates and uh, his, uh, his web, not just his website, but you can get his podcast pretty much where podcasts are available. You can hear it uh, sometimes on the network here, like I said. Uh, and really, honestly, man, th- this is it's wild. Every time I talk to you, I, I learn something, by the way. So I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Right away. I'm never, I'm never like, oh, here comes William Ramsey. He's going to tell me the same thing that uh, I already know 15 different ways. No, you're always, uh, evolving in your base of knowledge and the stuff you're presenting. So whether it's about the smiley face killers or it's about the, uh, the other many, many true crime things that you've covered. But, uh, I, I don't even know what to call the rest of it, but a lot of true crime, uh, you've covered. It's, uh, covered it's, history, politics, parapolitics, conspiracies, religion, cults. And the occult. So I've kind of done kind of things that really pretty idiosyncratic things that I'm interested in and some things that people aren't covering, really. So I kind of what's probably one of the reasons why I was got into the alternate media is like, why isn't somebody talking about this? So that's kind of the stuff that I focus on. Exactly. But see, all those other things you just mentioned are regular conversation to me. Uh, It is the true crime focus that is uh, is intensely interesting from you. Uh, of course, politics, power politics. I've seen plenty of different shows uh, and listened to, uh, some of your shows re- related to all that stuff and, uh, the, the esoteric aspects, the sort of, you know, let's bring what is in the darkness into the light, uh, kind of attitude. This is all part of the world that is William Ramsey investigates. Anyways, the smiley face killers, you know, I, I think I'm going to have to do another show with you on it soon. Anytime I'm available. Oh, there is a lot more to uncover here. And uh, next time i got to shut up and not ask so many questions. But that's the thing. There's a lot of questions to be asked here. Anyways, William Ramsey, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Great to talk with you again. Thank you.